0: Coming up on this week's episode of Check Your Balances, we talk about how to make sure your legacy wishes are taken care of the way you want them to be. Stick around, that's coming up next.
1: Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Kraftwerk Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Kraftwerk Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions.
0: Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I am Ross Anderson, as always, joined by my friend, my co-host, Dan Maseka. Looking good, buddy.
1: Thank you, sir. I'm going to ask a favor of you. Uh Uh-oh. From this point forward, I'd like for you to refer to me by my future government name. Go on. which, Which will be Subway from this point forward.
0: You're going to go by Subway. You're taking them up on it. I believe I will. So for those that don't know what we're talking about, Subway sandwiches, I don't know know if this is just a social media thing or not, if they're actually offering this. Are they offering free sandwiches if somebody legally changes their name to Subway?
1: What I've seen is they will offer free sandwiches for life if you legally change your name to Subway. I've seen this in multiple places. I haven't verified the authenticity of this,
0: but... Quite frankly, I don't care if it's true. It's a fun idea. I've seen other brands do this. This is a little bit gimmicky, but there was one, if you got the logo tattooed, like permanently tattooed onto your skin, they would give you a lifetime free membership. That was to a a music service that I participated in briefly. But this would be a, it's at least a fun gimmick. I got to admit, I don't like Subway. I don't either. And we're going
1: to lose sponsorships here, Ross. One day, Subway will want to sponsor us, and this might ruin that for us. But it just smells unnatural in a Subway to me for a place that's advertising, quote unquote, healthy
0: food. All right. This is very into the deep end. But didn't well, I think it was the UK told Subway that they could not, they had to pay some additional tax on their bread because the amount of sugar content that was in their bread at one point was too high to legally be considered bread. And at the time, I was doing a trivia group. And so we said, if it's not bread, what is it? It must be cake. And we called that trivia team Legally Cake for a while, making fun of Subway's bread.
1: That's so funny. I've heard that story, too. I think it would take a lot more than free Subway for life for me to legally change my name. But I'm sure there is a product out there that would entice me enough to do it. Similarly on a tangent to what you said earlier, I now know of three people with crooked crab tattoos and only two of that or only one of them is an employee.
0: I mean, that's pretty cool. Do they get anything for that or is that just on their own free will? They just wanted to represent
1: that was their own free will. I learned of a local tattoo artist who just had like a, a sheet of available crooked crab tattoos and a couple of people took them up on it.
0: I mean, that's pretty cool if they're willing to do it, and not even get something out of it. Just think of the brand loyalty that you're inspiring with your brewery. I love it. If anyone wants to check your balances tattoo, we won't, we'll send you a wine key. Yeah, you'll get free access to our podcast for as long as we do it. That's what we're promising. If you get a check your balances tattoo, that's what we're promising for now. Yeah. The wine keys are in though. We've got them. We officially, we can stop talking about our swag and start sending it to people. So for folks that have written into the show, and we feature your questions. I know we've got a few in the backlog we need to now send out. But we've got the wine keys. The people have spoken. And that's what they wanted. So that's what we got. I'm looking at a box of them right now. And boy, that's only a part of them. That box was heavy. It was. Yeah, it was It was two boxes that they shipped to me. And uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of them now. So we're, we're excited. We're excited to get them out there. Send us your pictures of you using them to our Instagram at Check Your Balances. We'd love to feature that on. The Instagram account. That being said, Dan, that's not what we're talking about today. We yeah. could talk about Wine Keys forever, and we have, but we're talking about something that is meaningfully more serious, but I think we're going to try and keep it light as we do, which is what happens to your money when you die? <laughs> yeah, my favorite topic. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today, and the reason we're talking about it is... We've had an experience in our practice pretty recently that was, I think, a not that uncommon of an experience, but it's not something that we've dealt with in a hands on way as much as I would expect. And that is getting into the process of working with a corporate trustee. But I want to talk about kind of what led to that. And this is something I've heard said to me dozens of times, which is that I'm comfortable managing the money. I'm comfortable dealing with the investments. I'm comfortable doing X, Y, and Z, but my spouse might not be. Or leaving the money to my kids, it might not be. And that seems to come up a lot of how will this be controlled and decided upon in a prudent manner after I, the decision maker, am gone. And so we had that situation come up. And basically, you've got a few options there. You're going to ultimately leave a couple roles in when you pass away. So one will be kind of the executor of an estate, which is the person that kind of distributes and deals with the final wishes, whatever the will says, deals with the distribution, the splitting of assets. But an executor tends to be a pretty short-term role. It is not an ongoing – it can be. It can take longer than people want it to – But it is not an ongoing management day-to-day of the finances, where a trustee is going to be somebody that's likely installed for a long period of time, often in the form of a trust, to oversee what that trust is going to do and how it is going to handle your assets. And sometimes a personal trustee is fine, or you name kind of a successor trustee to what what is there. But there's some other options, Dan. And you, you did more work on this case recently, so I really want your take on it. But how did this come across? And then ultimately, what what happened?
1: So, I'm working with a family that's updating their estate plan. They have two trusts, and for the moment, they're their own trustees. When they pass, they have trustees lined up already people who are willing to do the job to take on the responsibility of trustee. And I think soon we should define what that is. We'll get to that. But their question is what happens when they're gone? And they want to know the certainty. That if their trustees either choose not to take the role or cannot do it anymore, that there is someone lined up responsible in the role of successor trustee, which is exactly what it sounds like, who can honor the wishes of the trust. And they want that confidence that that's already lined up and that's not gonna be a question mark in the future. So that's how this came into being. Now, we talk about getting an estate plan in place all the time, it's really important. And as part of that conversation, it's natural that discussing who would be trustee of your trust would come up, and I feel like people often think of names, their responsible relatives or cousins or whatever it is to, to ask to do that job.
0: We get asked to do it all the time, and the answer is no, we can't, by the way. But yeah, we get asked constantly by clients, could, could I name you as trustee? The answer is no.
1: Right. Yeah. You, you're not going to ask us to be trustee for your trust. I mean, you can ask
0: but we already just told you the answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Email us so we can tell you no. So when you're asking a relative, the inclination is to want to help and say yes. I feel like that's the natural response from someone who's like, of course, I'll do whatever you want me to do, right? You, you're trying to be there, be a good friend, be a good family member. But what does that mean? That means a couple things if you're going to act as trustee. The first is you have a fiduciary duty as trustee to serve the trust and the beneficiaries. That is a standard of care that we have to have in place for our clients, doing the best possible thing for them, even ahead of your own interests at all times. Fiduciary duty, that's a legal responsibility.
0: Which you can be sued for breaching, by the way. Totally. You, you are
1: exposed to lawsuits if you are serving as a trustee. The next is you're responsible for overseeing the investments of the trust and making sure you're making reasonable investments. You have to follow the terms of the trust. Trusts can be written very specifically, or very broadly, you are responsible for executing those wishes. You are responsible for record keeping, tax filings, all the the notices. You You need to be very organized. And finally, you are responsible for trust distributions. So all the beneficiaries of the trust are going to come to you for money, and you are responsible for distributing that money in a way that's consistent with how the trust is written as well.
0: So if you're being appointed trustee, you are essentially judge and jury to how this document was written. And I thought of a funny example as we were thinking about this, because I think it's tough to conceptualize how difficult this is. Because when we make decisions, when you're making a decision for yourself, you're leaning on some element of your experience, your knowledge, your common sense, and you're making judgment calls all the time. And I was reminded of an exercise that I think we did in like middle school, which is the making of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And Dan, I think you've done this before as well. I have. I think it's a funny exercise. And basically the way it goes is if you had to write out the instructions word for word of exactly how you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then you provide those instructions to somebody else that can only do exactly what you told them to do. They can take no other liberty with it. It's almost impossible. This task that many of us have done dozens, if not hundreds of times in our lifetime, is borderline impossible to explain to people because of the context that you're losing when you give very specific instructions. Things as simple as, Do you have peanut butter? (laughs) Like, where is it? How do you remove the lid? Where do you get the knife from? What kind of knife? What bread? How how do you get the bread out of the bag? How do you spread it? Do you need a second instrument for the jelly? Right? There's like a million things. Do you use this? Do you use the same instrument or a second instrument for the jelly? Are you asking me that?
1: I'm asking you that. I'm curious.
0: I I would use a separate instrument for the jelly. I'm not putting a peanut buttered spoon or knife into fresh jelly i don't eat that many peanut butter and jellies by the way
1: no oh, i do i use the same instrument i kind of use the bread to clean it off
0: and then <laughs> and then go for it well that's gross dan that's un- that's unfortunate that you've shared that with our listening audience and they're all judging you for it i can hear it through my headphones i felt it was important to let people know <laughs> Um, you know what? Actually, I, I'm probably more often than not like a squeeze jelly guy. I don't know that I would need a second instrument. Cause I think I can probably just squeeze the jelly and then spread it with the same instrument. But when I'm doing something with like mustard and mayo, I will use a second instrument. I don't I don't want anything getting in like my mayo jar. Yeah. No, that that's gross. It is. I this may sound like we're harping on this, and and we are. But something as simple as making a sandwich is incredibly difficult if you're trying to design the rules in a way or the instructions in a way that they can't be misunderstood. And that's really the problem with the estate planning stuff. Now, as part of the process, and, and we ended up in kind of a competitive bid situation for this, but we ended up learning that Schwab, our custodian, has a trust department that does this. They weren't able to come on the program because I think they've got some requirements that prevent them from talking about it in a public way. But they've got a pretty nice solution for this. But I thought one of the funny things about Schwab's corporate trust department was what they weren't willing to do. And it comes down to some of those judgment calls and some of those spots where if you, again, were making a choice of I'm willing to distribute X amount of dollars or X percent of the portfolio or whatever it is to my kids as long as they haven't done X.
1: Yeah. So for example, in a trust, it's not totally uncommon for someone to say they are entitled to X dollars as long as they, quote, and this is a real term people use, remain a productive member of society. And Schwab's, their their trust department says, we are not going to determine that. Like. We will not be responsible for determining whether someone is a productive member of society. If that's important to you, you should pick someone else.
0: Were they willing to do some part of that judgment call? Like, is, he, is an employment verification okay? So, and in theory, that would be any job, right? Uh, and you may not know this off the top of your head, but that's how I would ask the question, right? So there's a difference between saying any job and a job that I find suitable. Because one of those is completely objective, and the other is completely subjective. And so as I think about that, like I think saying, hey, as long as you remain employed, that would be one requirement that's likely easy to enforce for a trustee, saying doing some responsible job or some respectable job within your field, that becomes a tough judgment call.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how they determine that, but it's possible that if it were more clear cut than a judgment call, they would be willing to sign up for it. Another thing is determining whether someone has substance abuse issues. They're not willing to sign up for that
0: either. They're not willing to just set up a drug testing station at Schwab branches and just have that going on all day?
1: Not for your trust, at least. So I think a corporate trustee is an interesting solution for a lot of reasons. I think there are individuals who are capable and willing to take on that responsibility. But even if you are capable and able to secure the team to do all the record keeping, the tax filings, the investment management. I think one of the hardest things is having being that person that the beneficiaries come to, who are possibly people who you know and love and care about, asking you for money and potentially being in the position to say no, because you are legally responsible to execute that trust. And even if you want to do it, you may not be able to do it.
0: You know... The way that I'm hearing it and and thinking about this, the more we consider it, is being a trustee is almost like being asked to be a godparent, right? Like if you're going to be the caretaker or the the de facto option, if this person passes away for their child care until the age of 18 for their kids, that's almost the level of responsibility that we're talking about with being a trustee. For is sure. you're, yeah, you're you're not only going to be signing up for a real deal responsibility, but you're going to be signing up for it for a while. That executor role, again, sometimes it takes a year or two, and you know, in certain cases, it can take even longer to settle an estate, but this is just a really long-term role, and I would suggest that a corporate trustee is a better option, even at some level of cost, than a family friend or somebody that... Is going to have to become potentially the bad guy. And and I've seen corporate trustee situations, I've had other clients that have dealt with this, that they deal with it as almost it's it's almost combative because they feel like they're going up against the trustee. That shouldn't be how it feels if if you know why the trust was written and what it was for. But there's absolutely a sense of dread in dealing in this role. And if you add those kind of complicated family emotions or close friend emotions on top of that fiduciary responsibility, that's really difficult.
1: It is. And not to mention, it can be costly to do it on your own because you're probably not going to file taxes personally for the trust. You're not going to be the one filling out those forms in all likelihood. You're probably going to hire someone. Record keeping is a job in itself. If you're going to do accurate and thorough record keeping, like that's a lot of work. So That might not be something that you're signing up for or want to sign up for. And a corporate trustee can be a good solution. One thing I'd like to raise as well is you can have multiple trustees, co-trustees on a trust. So if you're ever looking to kind of straddle that line and have that family connection represented, but also that third party kind of impartial uh, representation on the trustee committee, so to speak, you can put them both there.
0: Yeah. No, I, th- I think that that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I don't know that we've got a ton of advice for people here other than to think through it, right? If you're wondering about what's going to happen to your estate after you're gone and what you're hoping for is somebody to just use good judgment, you got to think about what that means. Think about what writing down the instructions for good judgment would be and how much harder that is than a peanut butter and jelly sandwich.
1: This is a very unfortunate analogy, but when we were talking about this, my mind went to the Constitution of the United States. I'm like, these are people who were very thoughtful about their words. They thought they put together a document that would be a guide for us forever. And look what's happened there. How many different kinds of interpretations there are depending on who's looking at it and what's come of that. So it's not easy to leave instructions as clear as you hope to be.
0: I mean, there's no question. Yeah, I mean that that really is a great analogy, and I'm not going to like step in it on our show. Just trying to go down that, but I, I find that to be really brilliant on how much we can disagree around what did this mean. You know, one one line that becomes you know essentially the gospel for how we run a country, and then we get to debate over the next 200 years on on what did that actually mean. Like, what what was the intent of that line? And that's a document that can be changed. All they have to do is vote to change it. Still still can't get that right, yeah, trust
1: can be updated by the way it's It's a process, so even after your death, if they find themselves in a situation where there's an impasse for any reason, there is a process to update documents, but that's not what you're hoping for. You're not trying to leave something that they're gonna have to fix later, so being intentional about the way you write it, thinking through who's gonna represent you when you're gone, all very important
0: yeah don't don't leave this stuff to chance i mean that that's really the key here. I mean, I know most of us are not expecting to be gone tomorrow, right? But this is one of those things that can be on the back burner over and over and over again. And yeah, maybe you've got a really simple estate. You leave the money to your kids. It's as simple as a beneficiary designation and a simple will. But if you're at a point with your estate where you've got very specific instructions or you're worried about the care, if you're worried about the ability to be prudent with those assets, I think a corporate trustee is a way better option in most cases and for most scenarios than I'm going to rely on a friend or family member to, to be the, the hammer in this situation and take care of it for me.
1: There was another current vet story uh, in the news lately, speaking of simple estates, though they might not be so simple. The Aretha Franklin estate recently went through the court process because there were two wills that they found of hers. One, a more formal will. I believe it was written in 2010. Then they found four pages kind of shoved under her couch that were handwritten in, I believe, 2014. They determined that the couch will was the valid one.
0: I mean, that's, that's a wild story. And I didn't read much about that. But, I mean, you got to realize that when people are fighting over this, it's because there's multiple interests being represented. Right? If those wills said the same thing, we wouldn't have needed to re. We go through it. But that means that those documents said something different in terms of who was entitled to her estate. Whoever is looking at the more recent one is clearly arguing their case. And then the court has to decide not only, like, you know, which one are we going to accept? Is it valid? Which means that they've got to see, did she actually write it? So if it's handwritten, maybe we need handwriting analysis. They've got to figure out if she was of sound mind when she wrote it. Did she have the agency to make those decisions? I mean, again, I, I don't know exactly what her situation was in that time frame, but like, I cannot imagine being in the court, having to make that choice and then look at the evidence and go, yep, that's cool. We're going to, we're going to grant the money to this family member.
1: We live in an era where you can get access to legal document templates everywhere. And I think it's a great way to get that in place for cheap, but I, almost always advocate going to an attorney to do all this stuff just because of how many potential issues can arise if you don't know what you're doing and having someone who does know what they're doing and can do a good job of guiding you is really important so if you're in the process of putting together your estate plan i would consider that just to avoid issues down the road we're going to lose other sponsors for me saying that too
0: yeah that's all right well this was a nice uh Fun light afternoon of Sunday content that we're putting together here as everybody thinks about death and what's going to happen to their money. We hope that you've enjoyed this 20 minutes that you've tuned in with us today and that you've left in a better place than you started. We were trying to keep it light. I don't know. I can't tell if we've accomplished that or not.
1: I don't know. I thought we had a funny name for the episode when we were BSing about this the other day, but it's not coming to me.
0: Oh, good stuff. Well, we'll figure that out next week. We appreciate you tuning in. Check your balances at Outlook.com. Write us a note. What are you thinking about? Make sure we get you one of those wine keys. Send us your address. We will send you one. And uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll see you all next week.